Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. And thank God it's Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Matt's back. It's already taken off. It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Guests are so fun. I probably should have ran that by you before I did that, but. <laughs> Nobody runs anything by us. <laughs> Y'all remember Matt from last year's A Very Merry Christmas, Mr. Gary Blauman, who asks us all our good questions and came up with the question of the week for tonight's episode. And host of TGI Podcast. Have you been, Matt? I've been very, very well. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a while, but excited to to talk some Boy Meets World tonight. I mean, how could we do a TGI, a whole month of like TGI Friday shows without having the expert on? Well, expert is a very loose term, but we'll go with it. I'll I'll accept <laughs> that. I'll accept that uh, that title for now, at least for today. I mean, I know you're no Mr. Feeney, but you're probably the expert of the four of us. Well, there we go. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> How have you guys been? Um, it's been a good week. I don't know. It has been a good week. Ellie has started reading me bedtime stories, y'all. Aww. For reading just, I don't know what happened. Something clicked in the last month, and she is like a reading crazy person now. Like, What's her favorite to read to you? Uh, it depends. Tonight we read um, two chapters out of the frog and toad books oh i don't like those books they're weird they're early reader books and so all of the kids read them when they're in whatever grade and like you've, if you've heard it one time you've heard it four times or is it backwards if you heard it four times you've heard it whatever it is it's a lot like pick some new stuff elementary school teachers well this was us buying this book so the the problem is me and uh well, per I usual had never, i had never heard this so it was new for me but I think oh. if I had if I had Welcome. 37 kids, though, it would be... Uh, it gets I, a little I, tiring. Yeah, she, she has to go back and read one of the other stories. I'm like, nope, nope, let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even have the four other times under my belt, and I'm already, let's put this puppy to bed. You might say, let's put this frog and toad to bed. I was hoping nobody would laugh. I really want an awkward silence of us all. I was trying. I was trying hard. You live with what you did. (laughs) (laughs) Poor choices. Uh, Every time I talk to you every Tuesday night, I'm living with what I did by reaching out and answering your Reddit message. Hey, without me, there would have been no Julia. So that's that's true. That's true. 
no podcast in general because you really you know, like set a, up those you know, like sites the, and everything. In mythology, the idea of a bone, you get something good. When you when you ask for a bone, you get something good, but there's always something bad attached to it. Yes. That's what we got. <laughs> I mean, worth it. And I'm, But I'm glad we did this. We wouldn't know a, uh, a, a Matt slash Gary Blauman either if we hadn't started this little endeavor. And nobody would That's know true. Julia. And now if you search his podcast list on google not only will you get a preview of our list listeners but julia's face comes up with it in the google preview because even google realizes she's the best elf and it's true somebody consulted me about that google has a favorite (laughs) (laughs) in our fireside chat with google we'll just pull up the picture of the list and we're done you got yet you have the evidence it's all right there so I mean, I think Google definitively answered the question, so I can't ask anyone else. (laughs) I am okay with that. We got the stick out of the hand of the guy beating the dead horse. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. I am now a musician. I now have a harp. Uh, I've been playing the uh, Irish lute or lap harp, and I enjoy it thoroughly. And I well, from here, it looks like you're playing the world's tiniest violin, so. <laughs> oh, that was funny. It, it's cute how funny you think you are. It's very cute. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Julia's face is turning red. <laughs> that was so funny, Anthony. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, but seriously, you took up the herpes. I am. I've been playing. Yeah, it's it's super fun. Christine got it for me. Um, I've been on this, uh, you know, uh, just trying to connect with my roots. I've been doing a lot more uh, genealogy family research and trying to find out where and like my family's from. The vast majority of my, both of my DNA things say I'm Irish. We've been able to track like where in Ireland we think my family originated from. It actually is a, uh, pro is a derivative of a McEnroe. So been trying to lean in a little bit more to my Irish heritage, especially since we found out Ellie is very Irish as well. And so oh, happy, happy early St. Patrick's Day. Yes, we have a full celebration set for tomorrow. Well, an Aaron go bra to you. I don't know what that means, but I know it's, <laughs> I know it's a St. Patrick's Day thing. But we're not here to talk about uh, the, the lap harp or um, St. Patrick's Day or anything predominantly Irish. I won't bore you with how I am veganizing irish beef stew uh instead we're here why matt why are we why are we here <laughs> it's just bizarre we were talking that, about the a- lap harp anyway can i say that right now <laughs> when we add tags to this post when anthony adds adds like all the hashtags please hashtag lap harp we'll i would love for somebody is. yeah for somebody to just randomly yeah. come across that and be like what yeah. <laughs> Speaking of lap the lap harp, <laughs> Julia, I'm gonna Sorry. assume that hashtag thing came out of love. <laughs> of course, it came out of love. No, it didn't. You use the hash. That's not how you do hashtags. Well, then why don't you hey, do the social media? That's right. I'm fine with, media. with him hashtagging everything on the planet because he runs our social media it's pages and people like them. That was totally out of love. Three hashtags. You have to put one for a lap part. Three hashtags. Now he's going to start putting extra ha- hashtag, extra hashtags for Tom. 
Exactly. I'm going to push hashtag too many hashtags. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Hashtag MP dumb. I know you're oh. and I'm going to keep, it's, I'm just going to keep hassling you about it, man. You know what I'm not going to hassle you about, though? Picking Boy Meets World for our episode this week. And I am elated that all of them are free on Disney+. Plus. Y'all, as we jump into this, I'm going to just say, I did not remember how young these kids were in season one. Like, these were babies, y'all. Like, It is like a whole new world with them because it, i'm with you part of this was i i did some i did the first episode we're covering tonight i did that uh back in december on my podcast and i was so struck by how young they looked and then recently i'm actually at the tail end of a complete rewatch of this series the show is so different from seasons one and two to what it is in this final seven like i think i have six episodes left in the final season it is so completely different and i when i went back to watch these for uh tonight's podcast even though i just watched these a couple months ago i was like holy cow these are like totally different characters totally different kids they're so young it's it's kind of jarring from what you Uh, think of them in the show you you know that Topanga like is a completely different character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what Christine said. She said I had no idea Topanga was so obnoxiously weird early on. Yeah, she was very like new age hippie. Like they really like she wasn't even supposed to be any sort of like predominant character, but then they realized it just kind of worked with the flow of things and she ended up becoming like a bigger part of the show, but yeah, she's she is a a strange child as uh when in the earlier seasons before she kind of gets more fleshed out. Minkus was just, okay, let's, I'm sorry, I'm not going to jump ahead of it. I just could not believe how young they were. Not just the characters, but the writers were obviously like. Well, I mean, when the show was conceived, it was originally pitched about like, it was pitched as a concept of a boy who lives next door to his teacher. That was the pitch for the show and how funny and awkward that could be and make things. (laughs) And that's why, like, in the even those season one opening credits, uh, there's a lot of Corey and Mr. Feeney in it compared to everyone else. Once we get into histories, before we jump into the episodes, I have a lot of questions for y'all about Boy Meets World because I loved this show growing up, and watching it now, I still freaking love this show. We'll get into histories in a second because I, for anyone who lives under a rock, I do want to just want to say Boy Meets World is a '90s sitcom about a boy, Corey Matthews, and his journey to adulthood. With him are his best friend, Sean Hunter, his girlfriend, Topanga Lawrence, his charming yet silly older brother, Eric, and his teacher, next-door neighbor, George Feeney. Thank you, Google. What about his mom and dad and awkward little sister, who uh, is everything Anthony loves in a child actor? (laughs) We'll get to that. Let's get to our histories first. We were watching this, when Christine and I were watching this, it was like, there is going to be a five-minute tirade about this little girl from Hampton. <laughs> Actually, I found her precious and adorable. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, she was monotone with no voice inflection. I don't know, Corey. Like it was terrible. <laughs> the one time I was ready to agree with you. But maybe, but maybe it's because she didn't pretend like she could act. I would rather. I would rather that than somebody who thinks they can act and they're just as bad. But anyway, let's do histories. 
And Tom, since you kind of got into your history already, why don't you go first? You getting choked up? No, I just had a cough, and then I'm like, okay, this makes it look like I'm like. <laughs> no. I was like, wow, Tom had a really deep connection to this show. <laughs> well, I was a kid, like, it was cool. It was fun to watch. Like, Ryder Strong was somebody that every boy thought was like the cool friend you wanted. Eric was the cool older brother that you wanted. It was just kind of like this idyllic life. Like, like Corey was this kid who had like everything, had a huge advantage. Even as a kid, I loved the interest that Mr. Feeney as a teacher showed this part because I was a nerd. Um, hmm. I just, the, every, the way everything happened, I loved the, the, even as a kid, I loved the, the fact that everything is tied up at the end with a nice bow. And we have a very, uh, in 90% of the episodes, they, they uh, actually come out and, and fully tell you the Linus moment, right? Like, you know what they're hmm. supposed to learn from this. Especially this first one we're about to do. <laughs> yep the the one where we uh okay we'll talk about that yeah but i was a fan i still am i like it i had all the fun feels while watching it matt how about you a very similar experience it was just it was something a show i adored growing up Corey was sort of a relatable kid the storylines especially the beginning were a lot more relatable like oh no, I didn't do this paper and here are the ramifications of it. And it got a little sillier as the show went on. That's kind of understandable for a show like this, but it's just, it's one I've always loved. It's been really fun for me going back and rewatching it from the beginning. It it doesn't quite hold up as well, but not many things do in the grand scheme of things, but it's still funny. It's been stuff that pops back up that I haven't seen in 20 plus years and it still makes me laugh. So I have nothing but good memories of the show. I, I absolutely love it. Julia. Um, I remember catching the show occasionally, um, but it wasn't on my rotation of shows at this time. So I, remember watching a lot more Family Matters, Full House, Growing Pains on the early edge of this, um, shows like that. So this one was not in my rotation. So I've seen some of these episodes, but I didn't see them intentionally. I just saw them like one-offs, right? Uh, We were much bigger fans here in the house of Girl Meets World because my kids were into that show. And so my so most of my Corey experience is Corey and Topanga as parents on that show. So it was weird stepping back in time and watching them as kids. Ooh, um, that's interesting. That must have been yeah. interesting. Yeah. Quite interesting. <laughs> to yes, to see the less mature versions of themselves. Um, but I not that I didn't enjoy watching these episodes though, and I am also very happy to have this streaming somewhere where I can revisit the show in its entirety. My experience was real similar to Tom's and Matt's. I this was I loved the show growing up. Uh, this was like you know I, it was part of the TGI Friday lineup. I watched it every week. I remember that. And revisiting it now, I still love it. But like both of y'all said, like going back to those early episodes where they are babies, it's uh, <clears throat> I whenever I think back on the show i always picture them in the high school years that's just you know i think those are the better episodes anyway goofier yes matt but uh i also more they dealt with more you know issues when you're growing up you want to you know that were good for kids at the cusp of puberty and teenagerhood to 
learn about and deal with like a lot of those tgi friday shows did right Mm -hmm. you know you have your serious um lesson of the week kind of in a lot of those later episodes Mm -hmm. um but yeah i loved it i always wanted a teacher like mr feeney like mr feeney is still the gold standard in all media of teachers for me like and i love that the guy is still alive and still embraces the mr feeney role (laughs) and uh yeah so i was very eager to uh get this on the list this year for tv month and watching these Christmas episodes makes me want to go back and rewatch the show from the beginning. So I'm glad that Disney plus has all streaming. I'm glad that I own them in case Disney plus cut out some of the more, um, slightly more adult bits like Disney sometimes does their films and TV shows. So yeah. So I'm glad we kind of are all on the same page and we're not going to have a negative Nelly tonight. We never normally do during most TV month episodes, which is good. Yeah. He just seems to hold up, and there's a different bar that we have, I think, for TV as opposed to just full-on movies, right? Yeah. Well, and the fact that they're usually 22 minutes, too, that it's easier to be like, eh, it was just okay, and not get like upset over it instead of like investing <laughs> two hours in a terrible movie. So I think it's easier because they breeze by so quickly. It's yeah. it's a, it's a little bit harder to nitpick that way, at least for Very me. Very true. That's true. Yep, that's true. Now this cast is huge, so I'm not going to dive into all of them one by one by one. But I'll just dive into like the main three or four, honestly, and then just rattle off the rest. So playing our protagonist, Corey Matthews, is Ben Savage. This is probably the the show he is most well-known for. Obviously, he was on the sequel series, Girl Meets World, uh, reprising the role. Um, younger brother of Fred Savage. No, he's the elder brother of... No, younger. He's the younger. Elder. He is younger. Fred, yep. yeah. Fred Savage. Okay. But yeah, he, he's been in... He was in Little Monsters with his, I mean... That I recently, I recently <laughs> rewatched that movie. How does that he, hold up? Why? It's a little, I loved that movie growing up. Okay. He is so funny as just the pathetic little brother. Oh my gosh. He was so funny in the movie. He made me crack. I hadn't seen this. I hadn't watched this movie in probably close to 25 years. And it was still super funny. Him himself, the little brother, like he's so tiny and he was so funny. So funny that movie. I suggest giving it a watch again. It's so it's it's stupid, but it's it. I don't know. It hit me with the nostalgia. <laughs> he was in Big Girls Don't Cry. They get even. He was in Clifford, Car Babes, Palo Alto, and he's about had a bunch of like um, guest roles on a lot of famous TV shows like The Wonder Years, Party mm-hmm. of Five, Still Standing, Phil of the Future, Chuck Without a Trace, Bones. Criminal Mind, Speechless, Homeland. So, so do you know who he plays on Criminal Minds? He plays a young version of Mandy Patinkin. <gasps> oh, that's Are amazing. You I mean, is that not spot on? That well, that's, is. His that's who he plays on Homeland too. a young yeah. version of Mandy Patinkin. Yep. Yeah, he played seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, given that his brother is in one of the most iconic Mandy Patinkin movies, right? Like this whole like right Mm -hmm. savage connection. That's that's awesome. Oh, that is funny. How funny! I freaking love Mandy Patinkin, y'all. Like just oh, I do too. Oh, I do too. Do you follow him on Instagram because his Instagram feed is like a treasure? 
No, I don't. All of his social media feeds are too. His Twitter feed. Him and his wife are so much fun to watch. Um, He was the by far the strongest, best, most likable character on Criminal Minds. You could say that in any movie he's ever been in. A lot of people's favorite character, or you know, the one they have the most nostalgia for, uh, George Feeney, Mr. Feeney, Corey Matthews, teacher. A uh, sixth grade teacher, and then middle school teacher, and then high school teacher, and then fellow college Principal. student, and then fellow, fellow college professor, uh, Mr. Feeney, played by William Daniels. He's known for his role as Dr. Mark Craig in St. Elsewhere, for which he won two Emmys, but I think people will really remember him for Mr. Feeney. Um, he's Mr. Feeney. I mean, he even he's he Mr. Feeney. Into that. He's you know? Kit. He voices Kit in Night Rider. He was Kit to me before he was ever Mr. Feeney. Yep. Uh, and Kit to me, Kit to me was a car that had no human behind it because it was just a smart and it was just a smart car. Man, I love Night Rider. I'm not uh, even lying. Me too. I love that show so much. <laughs> it carried so much of David Hasselhoff. Kit made that show. Yeah. He so really good. David he pl- he played Dustin Hoffman's father in The Graduate. He played John Adams in the musical 1776. Uh, he was Carter Nash in Captain Nice, Howard in Two for the Road. Um, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's he's married to the woman who played the Dean in Boy Meets and, World. And the eventual second Mrs. Feeney. Yep, which is mm-hmm. awesome. The cat's yeah. wife. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, that, see, that's an episode I remember, is uh, when they get stuck at the cabin with Mr. Feeney and find out what happened to his first wife. Mm-hmm. That's a, that a good episode. Poor Mr. Feeney. Poor Mr. Feeney. But he's been in a lot of, uh, he had guest roles in a lot of famous TV shows too. So. But he's still Mr. Feeney. He's Mr. Feeney. That'll be the first line of his bit one day. <laughs> May I that actually- day be way, way, way in the future. I actually think his uh, tombstone will say George Feeney with his name in parentheses as a subheading. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Playing Corey Matthews' best friend, Sean Hunter, is Ryder Strong. Um, He will best be known to people as Sean. He reprised that role in Girl Meets World. He is also known for his 2002 role, however, in Cabin Fever. And he was in Star versus the Forces of Evil. And I remember, like you said, Tom, like every boy wanted to be like Sean Hunter. They did. Cool like him. Yep. Um, massive crush on Ryder Strong in this period. Massive crush. So I don't think I was the only girl. <laughs> so every no, guy might have wanted to be him, but every girl wanted to date him. Plus, he had awesome hair. His that that was his kid just had that's his power. Hair. It's the hair that, was that iconic nineties boy hair, but cut hair. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it totally was. Yeah. Like when I think about every crush I had in that age, like they all had that hair, all of them. They all had quote butt cut hair. Butt cut hair. They had the butt cut, which is what I have right now. Except I have bangs, so it doesn't look as so obvious. Playing continue like we aren't having a conversation about butt. Go ahead, Anthony. But I'm not turning this into the, an Adam Sandler podcast. <laughs> 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 Playing Topanga Matthews, 
who a lot of guys in the period was had a crush on she was one of my first tv crushes is danielle fisher and she is uh topanga is Corey's love interest except in the first episode first season because again weird topanga but <laughs> danielle fisher made guest appearances on full house and harry and the hendersons um she's best known as for topanga and boy meets world and the girl meets world she was a host of style networks the dish and appears in national lampoon's dorm days she was a spokeswoman for <laughs> nutrisystem and a resident reporter on pop sugar she was a reporter <laughs> on pop sugar yep. something she has not been in a lot she i mean she's guest starred on yes dear the soup she did a voice on gravity falls i love Dra- gravity falls Oh, me too. Uh, but yeah, that's Topanga for you. And then playing Eric Matthews, Corey's older brother, older goofy brother. Uh, some may say by the end of the season, his, by the end of the series, his really, really stupid brother is uh, Will Friedel. They do dumb him down. Like That was another thing. He wasn't nearly as dumb at the start. No, nope. he's like very normal at the beginning, like just normal, cool older brother. And then by the end, he's just like insane. He's insane. <laughs> but I mean, he is the whole thing, though. He does the iconic Feeny call. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, he's all heart. I give him. The, I give the character that much. He he is all heart. He has had some things to his name. A lot of animated voice work. He does the voice of Terry McGinnis slash Batman in Batman Beyond. He does the voice of Ron Stoppable in Kim Possible. He voices Deadpool in the Ultimate, Sp- Ultimate Spider-Man and Star-Lord in the animated Guardians of the Galaxy. He's done voices. Uh, he plays Lion-O in the rebooted Thundercats series. Blue Beetle on Batman the Brave and the Bold. He does the speaking voice of Bumblebee in the final episode of Transformers Prime. So, does a lot of voice work. I mentioned he was in my favorite little uh, made-for-TV Sunday night movie of the 90s, My Date with the President's Daughter. (laughs) In which I forgot about that. (laughs) That was Uh, a movie. That was, with Dabney Coleman. Davney Coleman as the president. That was yep. a very funny movie. And he basically plays a slightly smarter Eric Matthews in that movie. <laughs> See, I those, mean, aren't, those aren't accolades you're singing to him, to his character at all. <laughs> he was in an ABC after school special, Julia, in 1996, in, an episode, in the episode titled Educating Mom. <laughs> he, was, he was on Are You Afraid of the Dark, Law and Order, Third Rock to the Sun. I learned Stitch the series, Static Shock, Teen Titans. Did Third Rock from the Sun have Christmas episodes? Probably. They're probably that's great. We should, that's something we should do. I would love to see John Lithgow's character trying to understand Christmas. Yes. Yeah. So those are really our main cast. I'm just going to read through who plays everyone else. Um, playing Amy Matthews, Corey's mom is Betsy Randall. Playing... Stuart Minkus is Lee Norris. Playing Morgan Matthews, Corey's younger sister, is Lily Nixay. Playing Alan Matthews, Corey's father, is William Russ. Playing Jonathan Turner, their cool high school teachers, Anthony Tyler Quinn. Playing Jack Hunter, Sean's stepbrother or half-brother. half-brother. Lost half-brother. It's a half-brother. Matthew Lawrence. 
play Angela Moore. Sean's long-term girlfriend is Trina McGee Davis. And I do remember their relationship. Like there were not a lot of interact interracial relationships on the, these like uh, TGI Friday, like more family oriented shows in the nineties. That was a big deal. Or on TV period in the nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, Playing Rachel McGuire, Eric and Jack's roommate is Maitland Ward. Maitland? Maitland. 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 Okay, I thought we said, I thought we were going back to a beef conversation. (laughs) That's our cast. So, Matt, I'm going to throw it to you. Guess first. And since you covered this one already, I'm going to let you give us a synopsis of the first episode recovery and kind of walk us through it. Sure. I think so if we really I'm, want to save time here, we can just take his episode and inject it here and pretend that we <laughs> the whole show. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Did we in case you didn't in case you missed it, you can go to TGI Friday podcast and check it out. I recommend it. Well, thank you. So in the first episode from season one called Santa's Little Helper, not to be confused with a later episode called Santa's Little Helpers. Yep. That always makes me think of the Simpsons dog, Santa's little helper. It makes me think of when Bart got a credit card in his name and it was Santos L. Helper. (laughs) I don't know why, but it always makes me think of it. But so in this first episode, the the boys are at school. Mr. Feeney's giving a lesson on a Christmas carol uh, as one would this time of year. And of course, Sean and Corey not paying attention whatsoever because boring books are boring and i i'll get to the quote later because i know you guys like to do your quotes at the end so there is a no throw it in in the middle you're fine so yeah so right at the beginning sean's like why is this called a christmas carol and Corey's like yeah no one in it's even called carol (laughs) and it's just such like boy you know preteen boy logic like the book title should say what it means (laughs) type of thing and Mr. Feeney is, of course, the exasperated middle teacher, middle school teacher who has to put up with this crap all day, every day, all Com- year long. Completely. You could, you could feel the eye roll, you know, like it, <laughs> like it hurts. It hurts you seeing him roll his eyes as hard as he does. <laughs> but, but essentially, the main storyline in, in this particular episode is finding out that Sean, Sean's dad has been laid off from work. So Sean, he's probably not going to get all the things for Christmas this year as he was hoping. And the one thing I, I thought it was just funny that Corey was tipped off to this because they're at the cafeteria and he's like, Sean, why are you bringing your lunch to school? You love fish stick day. That's a hard thing to say. Fish stick day. <laughs> and all I can think of is what kid is excited for fish sticks? I were any of you ever excited for no. fish sticks? No, Never. no, no. Uh-uh. and it's just it, and so Corey's a little, he's a little that should have been pizza day if they wanted us to believe it, right? Y'all? Exactly, uh, yeah, exactly. That was the day, and that was and square, she... rec- that was that rectangle pizza. Everybody, uh, had the, rectangle mm-hmm. pizza the yeah. perfect pizza. I would give yeah. anything for some good old rectangle crappy pizza right now, y'all. Yes, oh, <laughs> with those, I, those chunks of, of pepperoni meatish. Yes, whatever. <laughs> Meat product. And Sean uh, feels awkward because Corey is also bragging about the whole $5 he spent a month saving. 
which made me laugh. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, for his for his net for his Christmas gift because he knows he's getting a genuine NBA basketball for Christmas, and he's he's pretty ecstatic about all this. And the way they build it up, of course, is that Corey is present, hungry. You know, he's all about the bad thing. You know, the things you're told not to be all about during Christmas time. He's all about the gifts. So he comes, he runs home and he's shaking presents and he's like, Ooh, this is, we got new presents under the tree and like picks it up. He's like, Oh, these are probably a sweater wool. or wool. yeah, it's wool. <laughs> because what did he say? 98% of presents are wool at Christmas or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. So we've had this trope before where we have a, and I'm trying to remember where we talked about it. We talked about how weird it is that, these shows decide to make a big deal about, about a kid getting a, a, a basketball or a football, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, it was in Pete's Christmas. Remember, it was a big deal that the older brother got a football and you're looking at the family. And I don't like, remember. I tried to trauma block that out of my mind. Um, but we, we talk about this, this weird trope that happens where these like well-to-do families and the kid's big present is a sports ball. And it just seems, I don't know, it just that didn't feel genuine to me. That felt contrived. I don't know if I ever considered them Matthews a well-to-do family. They seem very, like, working class. I mean, compared to Sean, they're pretty well-to-do. But they're upper middle class. Look at their clothes. Look at their house. They have two stories. They have nice furniture for the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're not worried about money, right? They're well off. It's true. It, it, well off in comparison. In comparison's right, yeah. sake. And so... In in this, Sean or Corey's all excited about all these gifts, and he's like, "I gotta call, I gotta go call Sean and tell him about all the stuff I have." And Sean had been building it up at school that he was getting a bunch of gifts, and his dad basically bought out the entire sporting goods store and all this stuff. And this is when Corey's dad tells him, "Look, I found, I heard that Sean's dad got laid off, so maybe you shouldn't try to rub all this in in Sean's face." Y'all remember as kids, was it like a deal to compete with your friends on who was getting more presents? No, I don't no, remember for me. And there was never, in, in my house, our gifts weren't under the tree until... Christmas morning? Christmas like, morning. Like, they appeared nothing. overnight? Yeah, yep, nothing, nothing. They were wherever, you know, yep, before then. I, ne- I never saw them. So I never had the chance to say, hey, I got nine gifts under my tree. How many do you have? Type of thing. Yep. I have the mm-hmm. same way in my house. I also never counted my gifts. I thought that was pretty weird, too. Oh, I did as a kid. Well, yeah, I always had to see like, if I had more than my sister. What? Well, yeah, <laughs> my parents still to this day make sure they get us the same amount or they say spend the same amount. <laughs> it's same, same here. I, I totally, I totally kept. Well, that's the, my parent. When that movie came out, they always made fun of me. They always compared me to Dudley in that opening scene. But last year, I got thirty-seven. <laughs> yeah, so some of them are quite a bit bigger than oh, last year's. <laughs> so in this in this part of the storyline, Corey finds out from Mister Feeney. Basically, kind of is like I don't remember. If, does does Corey try to give Sean the basketball first, or does Mister Feeney sort of push Corey? Mr. Feeney, Corey Mr. tries to give it to him, but Mr. Feeney's like, your motivations are not pure here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Corey so comes up with the idea himself, reason. and his dad said that's a good idea. So mm-hmm. he calls Sean over. Corey gives him the ball, 
and makes it seem like, hey, this is charity, thank me, type of thing, while Mr. Feeney's out there decorating his house and witnesses the whole thing. And then Sean storms off and He's basically rightfully don't angry. You, don't you realize how lucky you are to have me? Kind of like yeah. the conversations yeah. Anthony and I have with each other regularly. <laughs> and then I'm going to jump in here with a quote then, because I like the exchange between Corey and Mr. Feeney here, where Mr. Feeney's saying you're, you're basically your motivations are wrong or whatever. But he says, you know what I like most about Christmas? And Corey's like, I go away for a week. <laughs> and Mr. Feeney's like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty special. But it's a time of year that you can think back and appreciate the real gifts you received. I don't get it. Friendship, for example, is a real gift, and it's given with no exception and no gratitude is necessary. Not between real friends. You think about that. It's a good one. Mr. Feeney. He's always Mr. Feeney always has the best life advice. He's always dropping I mean, that knowledge. He does. Last week it was my life. Wilson. This year it's this week. Well, it's I was thinking that. Like, what's with the uh, neighbors looking over the fences giving life advice? Well, meaning night? neighbors, yeah. Or, Except or Mr. Nosey. Feeney is a lot more integrated into this family's life than Wilson ever was. Well, well he's willing. He's willing to cross the the fence. Yeah, yeah. He can. It's like Field of Dreams where they can't cross. The, <laughs> can't go any further. Yeah. Well, what's funny? Is, what's funny though is Julia, because you never watched the sh- you didn't watch the show regularly. Like, no. Mr. F- There's a joke in a later season. Mr. Feeney gets so used to them coming to him all the time for times of crisis, and what there actually is, and nobody comes for him he gets like freaked out he comes over like why isn't anyone oh, really? <laughs> 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 so now on top of this whole basketball story we have a subplot in this where young morgan believes that she killed santa claus at the mall because he had a heart attack <laughs> while she my was my favorite storyline while she was yeah. on his lap and this is where I drop my story all the time where I saw this happen at the mall in real life. Oh Santa on his break, going for a cup of coffee, had a heart attack on the escalators and dropped dead, full regalia and everything. I don't, I've never heard this story. Yeah, he went on this break. Yeah, he was going upstairs for a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, full Santa alpha and everything. He had a heart attack on the escalators and he died in the mall. As Santa, so tons of pe- tons of kids probably had therapy bills after that. Oh, oh. That's bad. Uh, that story, that whole storyline was funny. Just how traumatized Morgan was. Obviously, I feel less good about myself laughing at that, knowing that Anthony has seen this happen to children. Uh, I mean, at least they weren't sitting on his lap when it happened. But I, lo- I loved this awful elf who called her what? Oh, demon, who spawn? Sh- demon child. Yeah, <laughs> demon I, child. I, I, I've got so I've got that quote. I've I've got that that quote, and <laughs> so he shows up. So they finally get Morgan out of the bathroom and calm down, and she feels a little bit better. And then this elf shows up at the door, and so Alan opens the door, and he's like, "Hey, I came to return your wife's money. She paid for a picture with Santa. She never got it." And he's like, uh, excuse me, you called my little girl a demon child. <laughs> and the elf goes, hey, all I know is one minute Santa's all jolly, jingling his bells. And the next minute, your kid sits on his lap, bada bing, bada boom, heart attack. Coincidence? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so I got to ask, who would not deck that guy? It would be he wasn't very that hard big. not to. You could yeah. take him. Where is the set? Just a question. Uh, Philadelphia. 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 Yeah. Okay. All right. 
I don't know what accent I was doing there, but I just no, no because I mean, he, he, he I did sound like New York. This, yeah, he yeah, did. he sounded like he was from New York. That guy. That's no. why I was curious because I, I just didn't know. That's where the not so good the not so good elves get kicked out of out of Macy's in New York and have to work in Philadelphia. <laughs> Pretty much. So then, with the continuation of the Corey and Sean storyline, back at school, Minkus is collecting money for Mister Feeney's gift. And he's going How much around is he collecting five, five bucks from each student. Per what kid. kind of That's gift are you getting your freaking teacher? That is... a dictionary. No, I know <laughs> that, but like that's crazy. That's an experience. Minkus was pocketing some cash, y'all. Yeah. And first yeah, of all, why are you why are you buying a teacher a dictionary? Does he not have access to thousands of them? I mean, he works at a school. Like, if I was Feeney, I'd be like, really? Like, just give me the money and I'll go have Well, I, th- I don't think he was impressed. <laughs> I think he was just being nice when he said, uh, what he said about yeah. it. Yeah. There were, what, like 15 kids in the class, right? Is that what you're looking at? So do y'all... So, yeah. yeah. So I hated Minkus, by the way. I hate Minkus in general, that character. So I was glad he disappeared after season two. But I am glad he reappeared during their graduation episode, like four years later. Was, and they're like, and they're like, Minkus, we haven't seen you, <laughs> seen you around all these years. Where have you been? He's like, oh, I've been on the other side of the school over there. And he points to like the camera where obviously there's no set filter, everything. And Corey's, Corey and Sean are like, oh, we don't venture off over that way. <laughs> and then that's <laughs> what, funny. And what I love is Minkus then's like, all right, I got to go. Hey, Mr. Turner, wait up. And Mr. Turner hadn't been in like <laughs> two seasons or a season and a half at that point. It was just, it was funny the way that they brought him back. It yeah, was. that was very funny. <laughs> but basically this storyline and where we get uh, Corey understanding the meaning of Christmas is the more Minkus is badgering Sean for this money and Corey overhears it and he knows Sean doesn't have the money. So he's like, Hey Minkus, uh, Sean owed me money. So this is the five bucks I owed him. So just put well, it towards. Well, not only is he badgering him, he, he says, I'm he giving you the gift a- tonight. And if you don't give me the $5, your name's not going on the card and everyone will know what a deadbeat you are. A deadbeat. He's like, so mean. Geez, yeah. I just can't imagine schools allowing this to happen anyway. Like, wouldn't notes go home to parents? Wouldn't you ask the parents for the five dollars? You would think so. nowadays, yeah, Sean, you do. But wouldn't Sean just beat up Minkus and take Minkus's five dollars? <laughs> you don't. I mean, you would think so. Like you the nerdy kid between those two. Yeah, I mean, Sean could have taken him pretty Sean easily. Was like twice as tall as Minkus. Easily, easily could have taken him out. Minkus was was a jerk here, y'all. Like just straight up terrible jerk. But what does what, what were you saying? Corey, Corey did the right thing, and then not only did Corey do it, but when Minkus is telling Sean, he's basically like, "Your friend sucks. I can't believe he didn't give you the money, but at least he came through and took care of this." Like insulting Corey. It's, mm-hmm. it's yes. Let's make fun of the poor kid and his friend who's helping him. That's that's well the- because Sean doesn't even know Corey did that until Mr. Feeney opens the gifts and says, uh, "Oh, everyone from Minkus to Hunter signed it," and he realizes. Uh, and well, and then Sean kind of thinks at first that Minkus did him a solid because he's like, "Hey, Minkus, thanks for putting my card on the name." He's like, "Well, you should thank your deadbeat friend for finally giving me that five bucks he owed you." Mm-hmm. And then that's where you, where Sean's like, "Oh." wow you know i do Corey is a pretty good friend and the music yeah. swells 
Yeah, I had a hard time being too angry at Minkus in that moment because my heart was like quenching, you know. Because mm-hmm. it's just like it was. A, yeah, it was such. Just, it was a good moment. I it was got a very the feels good out of it. And I like that. In turn, um, he wishes Minkus a Merry Christmas. Mm. You know, yeah. so he's not harboring some ill will. You know, Christmas really does spread beyond your own situation and makes you a better person, right? In in the uh, in the same moment that you see other people's goodness. So I really like that about it. Mm-hmm. We have we have a couple of complex Linus moments here, right? We have we have, we have Corey's Linus moment where he realizes what he has to do to be a friend and how important Sean is. We have Sean's Linus moment where he realizes no matter how bad things are, he has people who care about him and are there for him. It was just, yeah. um, and we all realize Minkus is a, is a, is a dork who probably deserved what he got. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the episode, I love, I, I really like the way the episode wraps up. You know, Sean ends up giving Corey a used basketball net that was like his dad's or something so garage, because yeah. that's what Corey wanted to spend his five dollars five bucks on yep so so sean's still able to give Corey a gift and then of course we get our little bit of a resolution at the end where they're reassuring morgan that she did not kill santa claus and mr feeney comes over dressed up as santa claus and he is just over it Yes. The look on his face. He puts a mustache on over the beard, over his face. And he's just like, hello, Morgan. It is me, Santa Claus. (laughs) Why does Santa Claus look like Mr. Feeney? (laughs) So good. So good. And I love love watching uh, Sean and Eric in the background. Like, Eric's, I think his character is legitimately laughing. Like, it does not look like he's supposed to be finding this as funny as he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt very much like a, uh, a Jimmy Fallon moment to me. Yep. <laughs> so, so, so I'm gonna hop in with another quote. I, I liked after Corey first tried to give the basketball to Sean, and Sean stomped away angry. He's like, "Boy, where's his Christmas spirit? Where's his gratitude? I can name one sixth grader who wasn't paying attention to a Christmas carol." And Feeney's like, "I can, t- I, can think- I can name one too." Matthews. Yeah, Sean. Corey. No, I'm Corey. You've been calling Mr. Matthews for so long, you must have forgot. Believe me, me, I know who you are. I also know that a true gift is given with no expectation. What's that mean? It means you gave the gift to get the thanks. I find uh, one thing interesting. This is the first of the two Dickensian Christmas moments we have with Feeney, right? In the episodes. Well, we find out later on it's a tradition, right? He reads mm-hmm. a Christmas carol well, to them every Christmas Eve. He comes over every Christmas to read this. <laughs> Nobody ever asks him to do this. <laughs> but, three. Not only that, but I, I gotta say that one. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite quotes later on, how offended he gets and <laughs> yes. tries to change yes. it. Do you blame it? But like, <laughs> we have no ghosts. Like, it's, it's usually when there's a Dickensian reference to anything christmas there are always the ghosts in these shows right it's kind of a well he kind of plays a ghost role later on yeah yeah i guess he does he, he does show Corey one of the one of the the things that he's the ghost of christmas future you're right so i have another quote if no one's gonna hop in after morgan storms home and runs into the bathroom eric come down comes downstairs and he's like what's up with the weasel she locked herself in the bathroom and she's in there singing on the first day of christmas i murdered santa claus <laughs> 
His whole part about that was so funny to me. Like when mom and him are outside of the door trying to convince her to come out. He rags on her a bit. I liked even when she was telling, the mom was telling the dad about what happened and the two of them were just laughing. Like they realized the situation is so absurd. I really liked that. And it is funny. It felt more real than some other 90s parents, right? Where they didn't sugarcoat it. Yeah. I liked that. I like them as parents a lot. I love them as parents. Yep. I do too. And, I, they, I were, and like, they were always good parents. They kind of became like adopted parents to Sean later on. Well, yeah, I just I recently just watched an episode and it's in the seventh season. And Sean finds out that the woman he thought was his mother wasn't his mother. And she basically just like, he didn't know who his mother was. And so Alan's like, look, he's like, you've always been a part of this family. We want, I want to adopt you. I want you to be a Matthews. And then, you know, Sean was very emotional about it, but in the end, he's like, look, I'm a hunter no matter what, because he like went back to his father's grave. This is after his father passed and like the ghost of his dad was there talking to him and stuff. And it was kind of sweet, just sweet how they're like, they're kind of hard on Sean when they need to be, but at the same remember, time, they, they love him it, unconditionally. Well, that was what shook him out of the cult that time. Remember yeah, that he thought yeah, of uh, yep. the dad standing up for him. Like, if you hurt him, I'll kill you. Yeah. You know, um, I, I had a friend like I mean, who had a who was basically an adopted family member that I'm still very close to. So that that um, now that I've been through that, that rings even even closer to home. But yeah, you just love the the Matthews parents. You want them to be your parents, right? Mm-hmm. Like they under and, no matter what happens, they understand. Like they understand their kids. And and real quick, I do have I do have one last quote that I've yep. been trying to find, and it's early on and it's because Corey and Sean are talking and all that in class. And Mr. Phoenix says, Mr. Phoenix says, Miss Lawrence, would (laughs) Miss Lawrence, would you please trade places with Mr. Matthews? And Topanga says, all right. She closes her eyes. She's like, I'm a hyperactive underachieving 11 year old boy. And Mr. Phoenix like, I meant physically. She goes, Oh, well, that takes less of a psychic toll. <laughs> and that just goes to underscore how different she was. Because mm-hmm. later on, she's essentially Hermione, right? In terms of her studies yeah. and her yep. personality yes. and everything. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, well, but she was studious and smart the first season, right? But not, yeah, she was, but not, she was. From reality, though. Like, yeah. in season one, Topanga would never have had cared about Christmas traditions like mm-hmm. we see on Topanga's Christmas. Oh, she's not a know-it-all in season one? different it's like not not a loving like not a, a an endearing know-it-all like yeah you, love, you, you really love later season topanga Topanga's just annoying in season one mm-hmm. yeah so did this one make you guys feel christmasy we already talked about the linus moments yeah yeah this one was christmasy definitely it even had a little gift of the magi kind of at the end where he had the net and he had the ball it did mm-hmm. yep. yep that was nice that was a good touch i like that so what would y'all rank this one? Eight. I'd go with an eight as well. Eight out or of ten. Eight out of ten for me. And like if we're doing it for my podcast, I give it uh I give it a you got it, dude. <laughs> I give it a I you got that. it, dude. A far superior ranking system than what we use on our podcast. <laughs> by the way. Well, you'll see and the nine... other end of the spectrum after after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> nine point two for me. I'm giving it an 8 as well. This is not my favorite Christmas one. And that gives us it's an average It's not my of... least favorite, though. No, it's not mine either. 
And that gives us an average of Can you give us a synopsis for season four, episode 12? Season four's episode 12, Easy Street. So this one, this episode revolves around literature as well. We're, we're, we're moving from, from Dickens to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, uh, which for those of us, uh, those of us who may not be as familiar with it, it's two roads diverged in a wood and I, I chose the one less taken. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, for, for Sean and, and Corey, we're back to the young dumb boys who are mocking the literature they're like who cares about these roads and so they're being explained they're they're uh turner explains to them that you make these choices in life and every choice you make has an unknown consequence on where you end up and they don't buy it at all they they're just like whatever so they need both corey and sean need jobs for christmas to buy gifts right and corey goes to work in a restaurant and sean goes to work at the docks on a union job Sean makes them joke about getting a cushy union job and all I could think, because I didn't remember this episode, all I could think is this is not going to go well for him, right? Like, <laughs> not. And then, uh, so uh, let's go through the episode. As they're, they're, this, this restaurant that Corey's working at ends up being a mob front. We don't know if it's actually the mob or not. It just feels very mob. Like, they're, they, they heavily allude to the fact that these guys are in the mob, but the, they never say well, Right, the the guys who works for Mr. Fontaine and Mr. Martini are played by com- comedians Buddy Hackett and Soupy Sales. Mm-hmm. They are, and they are funny in this. Like their yes. interactions with each other are hilarious. Mm-hmm. So it's a good gig. Corey's making money, but something just feels off. They're giving him extra money to do these weird, odd jobs. Like, I want you to take this package to the post office on 12th. And I want you to wait there and put it in this box. Make sure nobody is looking. Yeah, don't be followed or whatever. I'm not quoting. These are, that's basically what they're telling me. Later, I love, and Corey's like, there is no mailbox on that corner. He's like, hey, if you take the envelope, there'll be a mailbox. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any quotes? I vote that any quotes that come from either of the mafia guys are read tonight by Matt. I'm just yeah, say, like you do the best voices. Even if you're starting the quote, even if you're starting the quote, Anthony or Julia, send him what to say as. <laughs> so Corey's at home making breakfast, getting ready for school. Sean comes over. He's like, "Hey, you want some breakfast?" He's like, "You mean lunch? I've been at the dock since three thirty. So Sean is getting just, just he's very beleaguered at this point already. This is a lot harder work than he anticipated. Corey is discussing, you know, his moral conundrum here. Sean shows up at the restaurant. They're telling Corey how great of a job he does making cappuccinos. He's like, but I, I'm not comfortable doing this. I'm going to quit. He quits. Sean takes the job, right? And well, I kind of felt this is kind of like a dirty move on Sean's part. Like, he gets Corey to quit saying it's not right, then immediately swoops in and takes a job. Well, I think they just start dangling money in front of him. And again, remember, yeah. this story has been, been building that Sean feels less than, that Sean's... Mm-hmm. Got, got financial problems in life. Yep. 
So Sean takes the gig, ends up getting in a really hairy situation where yeah. Corey comes where Corey comes and he's holding a box that I'm assuming is a human head in it, just by the shape. I don't know. It's drugs, man. It's drugs. Phil oh, putting a teddy bear. Oh, okay. But drugs and a teddy bear. Like, I was assuming I was just thinking the teddy bear was a front and it was a human head. Like he's delivering a head, right? This one took such a left veer into like darkness that I was like Whoa, we've got like the mob and drugs shoved in a teddy bear in a box and Sean's standing out in the middle of nowhere and he's going to get, What we don't see surprised. is when Sean takes the box back and refuses to do it, you know, there's, there's the time that Sean spends in traction and has to learn to walk again. But they fortunately <laughs> left that out of, out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I was thinking to myself, oh, so they're, oh at the end, they're just going to return the box and walk away like nothing happened. That's not how the mob works, bro. You two are going to end up... <laughs> In that be funny. Like they don't show up for Christmas Eve and it's like a two week continued episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, meanwhile, there so is a subplot in this. There's Eric, a subplot right? between Eric and Lonnie where they are going to drive 500 miles so that she can be home for Christmas. And, but, but then they get stuck in a snowstorm. And, and just for those Eric, who don't know, Lonnie is one of Alan's employees at his store. That he thinks that Eric's in love with. because Eric She is, is very attractive. Eric is always in love with a girl. Yes. Uh, Eric gets, Eric being, we're, we're starting to see stupid Eric coming up and he gets knocked out and he begins to freeze. For whatever reason, Lonnie decides while they're freezing to death, they need to get naked. So she takes her clothes off and gets in. A That's house. a thing. We you saw stay, that in Deck the Halls. Too. I know, but you don't do that. You stay in your clothes and get in the, the thing. No fun. When they get home, <laughs> Eric, everything that happened. And Eric is very upset. He he he's like, "You wake a guy up for this. You slap him. You hit. You do something." So throughout the entire episode, he's trying to get Lonnie to get naked in a sleeping bag with him. And in the end, Lonnie's like, "Okay, it never actually happened, but we know it happened." She's just trying to. Get it's just it. like it never happened, but cute butt. Yeah. yeah, but cute butt, letting us know that it happened. And, and I, I liked. I liked Eric being like, oh no, my head, I can't remember. Oh, and he pretending like he was <laughs> passing out. Oh, I'm, I'm so cold. <laughs> Definitely playing it up to try to get something to happen again. Yeah. So I, um, I actually liked how this episode ended with Mr. Feeney coming over and getting them all to pose for the family picture and together. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's one of those typical 90s things they did where the camera snaps and it says, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays from Boy Meets World. Yeah, I love, yeah. I love those. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. that, like, all of these shows, you know, Boy Meets World, Family Matters, Step by Step, whoever, they just have mm-hmm. these moments. I just... They're so like stuck in my head and I see them. I'm like, oh, my favorite show. Just, you know, as like a 10 year old, I'm like, my favorite show just gave me a Christmas card. (laughs) (laughs) So so one of my, one of my favorite quotes though is at the beginning and it's when they're in Mr. Turner's class sleeping and Sean is inhaling and Corey's going, yep, 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 yep. (laughs) Like they're in sync together. Mr. Feeney comes in and he's like, interesting. In my class, Mr. Hunter handles the yipping. And Corey wakes up and he's like, Sean, it's both of them. And Sean's like, oh no. Now I don't know which class I slipped through. <laughs> I, like, I like the quote where, they're, where, they're, where Mr. Turner looks at him. Um, he tells them, I want you to go, th- like, like Mr. Turner tells them, uh, I want you to, because they're, they're saying that this, this you know, your, your decisions don't have long-term effects, right? Like it's no big deal. Um, we know the idea of para- like like, 
obviously they don't go this this deep, but it's playing into that idea. That it just reminds me of that idea where every decision you make spawns a parallel universe somewhere where you made the opposite decision, right? Like um, they don't believe that that's a thing that these matter. So Mr. Turner tells them to keep a journal for the next week and write down every potential of choices to change their life that they encounter. And uh, Sean says, Mr. Turner, what if my choice is to not do the assignment? And Mr. Turner looks at Mr. Feeney and says, you want this one, George? Mr. Feeney <laughs> says, no, no, your class. I get them after lunch. He's like, well, then you get an F, not go to college, spend your time hanging out at the local convenience store waiting for them to bring a new batch of lottery ticket. And Sean says, and that would change my life. How? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to say up front, this is my least favorite Christmas episode. Right there with you. Same here. It did that not have many. No, except for that end shot with the camera where they're decorating yeah. the house with the camera. They were set at Christmas more than involved Christmas. Yeah, yeah. and there was a, like a little bit of decorations in Mr. Turner's class and like their kitchen had a couple things. But yeah, it definitely did not feel like Christmas at all. Nope. I mean, can you stretch the moment at the dock between Corey and Sean into a line moment? It's definitely it's a learning moment. All about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a learning, learning moment. moment. It's not a line. Uh, no, it is. Christmas is all about not giving teddy bears full of drugs or human heads for the mafia. It's true. But I found the quote about the mailbox, and I feel like I should read it in my best monster voice. Yes, you got to yes. do it. So they slide over an envelope for Corey, and Mr. Fontaine says, you take this envelope, you go to the mailbox on 14th and Pine. And then Mr. Martini says, and you make sure no one sees you. And Mr. Fontaine says, nobody. Put this in there. <laughs> Corey says, okay, okay. Now, you both know how I'm not one to ruffle feathers, but uh, there's no mailbox at 14th and Pine. Mr. Fontaine kind of brings him in closer, and he says, today there's going to be a mailbox on 24th and Pine. <laughs> and Mr. Martini says, and Mr. Fontaine is never wrong about mailbox placement. And Corey's like, okay, okay, you know, I'll drop it off. And he's like, hey, and Corey's telling him there's no address on here. There's no stamp. And I, this is one of my favorite parts is Mr. Fontaine goes, you're a noticer, aren't you? I noticed that you're a noticer. <laughs> well, I, I love, I love, Cor like, that is such a Corey thing to be like, Hey, you don't have an address on here. You don't have a stamp. Like, this is illegal. I can't just put this in a mailbox. Well, he's another one who um, changed as well as the show went on. Mm -hmm. Like, he got more goofy as well. Yeah, he really did. But in a positive way, he wasn't just dumb. I was watching, because I, I was watching some of the episodes besides these as I was watching them. And so, Matt, I know you, you're almost done with your watch of the whole series. I loved uh, when him and Topanga get married. And, like, this guy has wanted to sleep with Topanga his whole life. And she, he, he, they go to the honeymoon suite and she's under the covers and it's only her, she says. And he's like, oh my God, I wish Sean was here. And yeah. she's like, you don't want him here for this. And then, and then he, sneak, he sneaks a peek underneath the, uh, the covers and he just goes, yes! <laughs> or there, there's one like before they get married and he's just so mad that they haven't done anything and they're in the elevator they're in an elevator together at the, the apartment and he's just like she's like what what do you what can i do to like you know whatever and he's like 
show me your tushy. And then the next scene, the next scene is him walking into the apartment. He's like, I have seen the promised land. <laughs> I, I have questions about that, that, but it's, this is a family podcast, so I won't ask them. Ew, Thomas. I just don't know what he means. That's for Tis the Podcast After Dark, coming soon yes. to Patreon. <laughs> And with that, I'm going to give this one a four. I didn't like hate the episode, but I hate it as a Christmas episode. So I'm coming in at a four as well. Three. I'm giving it a three. Oh. So this gives us a... CGIF for us, please. That gets a... No way, Jose. (laughs) And it gives us a 3.67 for our wonderfully ranked list, Julia. Hmm. So our next Christmas episode is season five, episode 11, A Very Topanga Christmas. Um, This one came out in 1997. And quick little rundown. Topanga spends her first Christmas at the Matthews home. Corey is happy at first, but when traditions clash, he starts to have misgivings about their future together. All right. So is him blowing stuff out of proportion a Corey thing? Yes, all the time. Very much. Overthinking, okay. oh, blowing things out, everything that's little being a big deal. Um, yes. Okay. Well, that so, helps. Question. Yes. For those of you who blended families, were any of your traditions like this make or break at all? Like, did y'all have such diametrically opposed traditions? No. We, we, I mean, like, we obviously had some differing traditions, but we didn't know trouble blending them like nothing like to the point where i'm like oh my god i have to consider (laughs) breaking up with her because she she wants an angel on the tree instead of a star and oh no we have to have mold cider instead of eggnog like yeah yeah and make everybody happy i I do gotta say though okay so this is my favorite one and it is because of the whole tradition thing because the traditions at christmas and everything like that this one felt the most christmassy Mm -hmm. but right off the bat before we really dive into the episode, I do got to say, one, they retconned some of the Matthews traditions because they did not have that white tree, aluminum yep, tree. That aluminum tree episode. was not yeah. there before. Nope, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say right now, right here at the beginning, when Mr. Feeney comes, <laughs> comes over and Topanga suggests reading the parts of A Christmas Carol out loud, and he, and he's like, but I'm Scrooge. I'm Timmy Tim. I'm all of them. And I'm she's all like, of oh. them. <laughs> and she, and Mor- she's like, I'm going to go tell Morgan. She's going to love it. And she runs away. I love Mr. Feeney gets up. And he's like, uh, Mr. Matthews, if somebody had complaints about my reading last year, I can speed it up a little bit this year. <laughs> that would make me- <laughs> I just loved how into it. My favorite part <laughs> is when he's, he comes over and, uh, well, not my favorite, one of my favorite parts. And <laughs> He tells the penguin. He does this every. Year. He comes over every year. Nobody ever asks him. <laughs> <laughs> one of one of my favorite quotes comes like right at the beginning of this. And it's, the setup is they know that Topanga's coming and she's going to spend Christmas with them for the first time because her family's going on a cruise. And Corey, he, he turns and he looks at Eric and he says, I'm asking you, please. Topanga's going to be staying here for Christmas overnight could we please not run naked down the hall singing we wish you a merry christmas i'm looking at you and eric just goes 
I only do it because people have come to expect it. (laughs) (laughs) I love him so much as an older brother. I do too. Even when he is dumb, I really, I like when he's dumb and he's an older brother. I like the whole brotherly relationship. It feels real. The whole uh, older, younger one. And, yeah, and, and it, he, yeah, he's not. I don't know about other episodes, but he doesn't come off in any of these or any of the ones I can think about as like a total bully, no, you know, no. like oppressive older brother. And I love mm-hmm. that because I mean, you would you would see that in most of these, right? Like siblings that really didn't get along. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't come off like that, and I love that. The and, big the big problem the big tension between them usually has something to do with Eric being into a girl and Corey somehow being in the way, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So many of Eric's storylines just revolve around Eric pining over a girl or chasing after a girl or a girl and Eric. There, there is something very sweet where we, Anthony brought it up before about Feeney getting remarried later in the series and he gets married to the Dean. And I just, I just saw that episode last week or whatever. And his best man is Eric. And it's just like, just so sweet. Like Eric's just, Feeney's best buddy like they they bicker and they argue and Feeney gets so annoyed with Eric but in the end he asked Eric to be his best man and I just thought that was like <laughs> the sweetest thing in real life though, that's a pretty creepy situation right a like, little a little creepy yes a little creepy okay so this one really is that Topanga is not with her family for Christmas and so what is so important Christmas time is traditions. And so this one revolves around the future alluded to blending of Topanga and Corey's family. He bought her a promise ring mm-hmm. for Christmas. And so it's foreshadowing. I mean, I don't know if there was ever a time in the show and y'all can answer this, that you thought they wouldn't get together. And that there was wouldn't. one very serious hiccup midway through, oh. but that's about okay. it. Also season but one. Not really. Like you kind of could see the path, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. But they wanted so, you. They wanted you to have a, a, a will they won't they moment. Sure, as they do in every show yep. with every relationship like that. So Topanga's traditions are like the exact opposite of all of the Matthews traditions, and she's real annoying, by the way, about all of this business. Like you're a guest in their home. Why are you mm-hmm. so obnoxious? That was my take on it. Anyway. She's so forcefully so, passive aggressive. Like it's she is passive aggressiveness. Yeah. Right like, to another state to get a tree. From 600 a miles to her. her I mom. mean, but at least to get some Matthews for put, yeah, for putting up with it. But you can't but put like, it on, you can't put it on a, a pancake though. You go get maple syrup from Vermont and you can't even put it on a yeah. pancake. Yeah, that's true. She wouldn't let him put it on the pancake. <laughs> I missed that part. So yeah, her traditions are. Sugar. Oh, that's right. The snow on it. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Her traditions are real tree, uh, mold cider, open presents Christmas Eve, not Christmas morning, angel on top, caroling, and then she does a special breakfast. That one's not ultra specific with you know, but like all of the other traditions she has are hot button tradition items, right? In the Christmas space from my perspective. And they're opposite on all of these things. So Corey's super excited about her staying for Christmas because for him, he sees this future down the road and his brother gives him crap about, I mean, essentially that he's whipped the entire time, right? Like, why are you letting her dictate the traditions? Like, but this is our Matthew's Christmas and she can be a part of it, but like, why are you letting her dictate it? And he has this whole thing where he wakes up or she wakes him up in the middle of the night, which I thought this scene was very creepy personally, but I don't think Topanga is a great actress. So 
maybe that's just me. Y'all are staring at me like I killed your dogs. <laughs> Wait, why do you, why did you find it creepy? Like, I don't know. It's like, it took her forever to get to the point. Like why she was even awake. And, and there was I don't know, it awkward. And there was really yeah, was no awkward. point. There was no real no. point. She's just like, I want to know that you'll wake up when I wake you up. That's like essentially what she's saying. Right. <laughs> and it's just right. like, and, what? Yeah. It felt like a bridge to get to the heart to heart with his dad, which I really appreciated. Cause I, I like those moments with his dad. Yeah. yeah. So she, she gets dumb. up at 3 AM. He's like, I want to be sleeping. And so she basically said, I'm so glad for the rest of my life. I know like, yeah, I can wake you up whenever I want to. And you have to talk to me. So Corey's then officially awake cause he's freaked out rightfully so. And so he goes downstairs and talks to his dad and his dad's putting a model plane together. And he's like, what? you do this at three o'clock in the morning on a regular basis, dad. And he's like, well, you see your mom does this thing. And so that's that I like that. I didn't mind that scene, but it, it leads up to Corey overreacting at the fact that he feels like he officially has nothing in common with Topanga because Christmas is this big deal. And how could she be so opposite on it? And he takes it as if we have nothing in common, why are we together? Right? Like, Mm -hmm this really shuts him down and he bails and he goes to, and I was a little confused because I don't remember, you know, this part of the show. He goes to Sean's house. Is that Sean's house? Sean's apartment. Apartment. Sean's apartment. With his his brother. With his brother. And him and his brother, a little teeny tiny baby storyline is that they feel like they have nothing in common with each other. And so they're also trying to find this commonality as they're having to spend time together at Christmas. Well, since you, since you brought that up, can I just read a quote from that moment? Yeah. When they're at the house decorating for Christmas themselves at the apartment, uh, mm-hmm. Jack is trying to get to know Sean because this is when he just came back into his life just for you to know, Julia. This is when they first discovered each other. So they're talking about Christmas. He's like, we usually go and see the French Alps. And Sean's like, well, those of us in the trailer park just like to thank God for all that we have this time of year. And, and Jack does this awkward pause and he's like, we pray on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jack's family has like all this money. Yeah. That's, Why is he and a that- hunter if they're long lost? Like- I have lots of questions. Well, that kind of where Sean's bitterness comes from. You were out there this whole time while the rest of us are struggling. And yeah. So after talking to best friend, as best friend often does, is provide some moments of clarity. He, who else does he talk to? Is it Feeney? Does he talk to Feeney? Feeney becomes a ghost of Christmas present. That's right. Or future. 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 That's right. He falls asleep at Sean's apartment um with like four empty canisters of eggnog so like he really hit a hard that night by the way <laughs> so he passes out on the couch and he has a dream in which Feeney is the ghost of christmas future and so he gets a glimpse right another trope we see in christmas movies and i'm not sad about it and so he sees what life will be like for him what life could be like for him without panga in his life right if he follows down this path where they can't be together because they're so different and he's super overweight and he's living at home still and he's only um, eating christmas pancakes every day every day his reaction to seeing himself is so funny too because he's like eric's like Corey, come on breakfast is ready and Corey comes out and it's not Corey; it's this overweight guy and Corey just goes "Ooh, i'm a big boy (laughs) 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 
well, I loved that in this future, Topanga's married to Jack mm-hmm. for some Jack. reason. Because in the right. present, he keeps saying, I don't really know her. Yeah, I don't I really know her. her. <laughs> I know I don't really know you, but thank you for marrying me. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Corey's glimpse is this terrible thing where he's clearly still pining over Topanga. And so as Feeney is showing him this, um, he's like, well, Shirley Topanga is like just as torn up about it. Right. And so we get a glimpse of what her life is like and it's beautiful house kids. She's married to, yeah, super cute Lawrence brother. And like, so she's got it made and he's like, I can't believe just, she's just sitting here happy and like, what the heck? And Feeney's like, um, did you take a look at the tree? And so you see the tree and it's a tinsel tree or it's an aluminum tree. And he you know, is making a point that she has some tethers, right, to you as well. Or so give she up compromised. On they compromised. Yeah, she compromised. Yeah. But I am sorry. Corey is beyond unrelatable. I don't know how you can, why the hill you're going to die on is an aluminum tree. I'm going to stop you right there and say, Anthony, I, I love fake trees. It's not that it's fake. It's aluminum. It's terrible. It but looks like I, a $20 tree. I understand, even though they retcon this because it's not anything we saw prior to this, I do understand to a certain extent if that's what you grew up with, if that's what you've always had, that I can see why like there's that tie there. I, again, I'm not the type of person who's going to be, you know, if my fiance was like, hey, we're getting this ugly white tree, I'd be like, okay, whatever, like, it is what it is, but <laughs> like I, I understand to an extent if it was something that's so personal to him, and I guess they're alluding to it being that way, I could kind of get his frustration. I don't understand why he can't compromise, but I, understand, I, I can empathize to a certain extent. And, and I, have a better, I have another question that I think is much more appropriate for this. Why is a Christmas tree ever an either or? Yeah, load it up. Load <laughs> them up. Christmas tree is real. His is this crappy aluminum one that everybody should be embarrassed to own. Uh, go on and put them both up in the house. Mm-hmm. The, if you want to make ugly, stupid macaroni star that looks like it was made by a third grader and put that on top of your tree. You know what? Put you, it on your ugly, embarrassing tree that I, you should have anyway and let her have her beautiful angel on a real tree. I'm hanging your ornament next this year, Tom, that you made me. I don't understand why that made you think of my ornament, Anthony. <laughs> I don't understand what part of this conversation, like I don't understand how that's, how that's related in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to need some more explanation. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, it came from the heart. If it means something to somebody, hang it. It doesn't matter that you think it's ugly. If it doesn't mean right. if... If it's an ugly, stupid thing, put it on the ugly, stupid tree and let her have the beautiful angel on the real tree. That's all I'm saying, right? I mean, we're saying the same thing. So he gets down on his hands and knees, basically, and it's telling, yeah, you know, Mirage... Topanga. I can compromise. One year we can do it my way. Next year we do it your way. Then we can blend it and all that stuff. So Corey learns this power of compromise and Topanga shows up to him later in the real world um, outside of dreamscape and, you know, basically says the same thing. And so he shows up at the back door singing a carol, even though he very much hates singing and she's torn up inside about you know how everything was left off she hears him singing she's very happy they meet each other inside the kitchen um he got her the promise ring she's very happy about it they agree to compromise in the future and, and she, she got him a promise she got him ring a promise too. ring too got which him is a promise so ring also. yes yes it is so yes maybe. it is, is still a thing do kids still do that i don't I think don't, so yeah i don't think so 
Yeah. I don't think that's the thing anymore. So, I mean, it's, it's got our, it's definitely a Linus moment. Um, the whole, I don't know, not letting traditions run your life and be willing to give instead of just get. And then we have that nice little end scene where Mr. Feeney <laughs> is reading a Christmas carol to everyone and it pans around the dark living room lit up by Christmas lights and everyone had fallen asleep <laughs> except Mr. Feeney and he slams the book shut and he says, bah, humbug. <laughs> <laughs> and just think I, of how long that has to take to read that. I mean, right? it's not, it's not yeah. like it's a short text. No, it's a commitment. the second time we know that that, that we as a as an audience have watched Tori sit through the entire part of the entire reading of um, in, fa- in fairness the physical copy is under 200 pages that's still a lot to read still a it is a it's a novella people correct but for once for a sit down reading for your neighbor teacher principal to come over uninvited to expect your family to sit down and listen to him or her read at the entire time Granted, yeah. uh, if we're talking Mr. Feeney, he can come to my house and read this and put me to sleep every night, and I'm okay with it, y'all. Yeah, give me Get that audiobook. Right? Yeah, he, I love his voice. It's I very rather, relaxing. I don't know why we're saying audiobook. He can just sit in the rocker next to my bed and read to my family. Is that weird? <laughs> I mean, a little, yeah. but it's okay. It's your podcast. Do what you want. Don't tell him that, Matt. We, <laughs> Me and Julia actively try to discourage him from doing that. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, mean, I would I would listen to that. I would listen to that in a heartbeat. I would listen to him read just about anything. He's got a great voice. He does have a great yeah, voice. He does. I love this episode though. This felt the most Christmassy to me. It looked the most Christmassy, and the whole plot revolved around Christmas, Christmas traditions. Yep. So it, I it, love it, this it, one. Everything, even I loved how Sean's apartment even was Christmassy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved it. I um, I always I, loved that apartment, by the way. That was way out of their price range, though. Let's, let's be honest. Oh, it was, but well, Jack's Jack's, well, Jack's rich, got, though. Jack's yeah. got Skrilla. That's right. Jack's got some Skrilla. Oh yeah, that is how. Isn't that how they afforded it? He got it, and then Eric ended up moving in with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, which also seems weird that Corey wouldn't have moved in. But Corey was still in high school. Sean, and then he there. gets married like right after high school. Yeah, Sean was there because his dad left to go try and find his mom, and so he just up and left. So Sean lived with Mr. Turner for a while. Oh, and for that now, yeah. And then okay. Turner got in that motorcycle accident, and then you never heard from him ever again <laughs> until graduation. <laughs> yeah, and then Jack shows up in like the next season, and then. He's like Sean, because Sean had been like living with the Matthews for a little bit, I think. And then they he sees Sean or he she sees his brother and then he moves in with him. Yeah. How much I missed. Stuff got weird, y'all. Yeah, it did. <laughs> um, are there any quotes or scenes we didn't cover? I think I hit mine. I, although I did like when Eric was explaining what it was really about in his mind. And he says, <laughs> because he calls, because Topanga had a, a nickname for Corey, Captain something or other. So he's, Eric's like, well, Captain, this isn't about the presence. It's about the power struggle between men and women since the creation of man over 300 years ago. <laughs> I also like the ongoing thing that for whatever reason, when they're making out Topanga purrs. Purrs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eric oh starts purring. <laughs> and Corey's like she, he guessed it. Lucky guess, lucky guess. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this one a nine and a half. I'm gonna give this one a ten. I love it. I, this, I'm with this you. This is Matt. my favorite. This is going to ten for me. Eight point five because Topanga is just a lot. That gives us an average of nine point three three, which is our highest rated one so far. Wonder now this road.
And the last episode we are covering is Santa's Little Little Helpers, which aired December 11th, 1998, and is season six, episode 11. So this one, they're in college. So Topanga invites Sean to the Matthews house for Christmas. Corey and Topanga are engaged. So she says, because I'm engaged, I can invite who I want to the Christmas celebrations, essentially. (laughs) And, um... She invites Sean uh, without letting Corey know, and unbeknownst to Topanga, Corey invites Angela, who is Sean's serious ex-girlfriend. They do for a while. Now ex-girlfriend. When they find out, they're initially, like, Corey and Topanga are like, oh my god, what are we going to do? And then they find out, well, Sean had told Topanga he still loves Angela, and Angela had told Corey Sean still loves she still loves Sean. And Corey's like, this is great. We can suddenly, we can get them back together. And he, in typical Corey fashion, decides to pull out all the stops and go over the top in the effort to force them to spend time together at the Christmas celebration and rekindle their romance. Meanwhile, the other plot in this episode, and which had a lot of heart, is Eric is Santa at a local mm-hmm. department store. And, I love this storyline. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Rachel and Jack are Mrs. Claus and an elf, <laughs> respectively. <laughs> and um, he's not a great Santa, but he, when, in, when they bring in a group of orphan kids, he really becomes very generous and does his best to make the experience as magical as possible to, him, to them because they don't have a lot. It, going so far as to steal presents from his own home and write uh, <laughs> little notes. <laughs> <laughs> to replace them to give the kids. He want, he thinks he can help them all. And then eventually a young orphan named Tommy comes forward and asks for parents for Christmas. And Eric is torn up about this. And I mean, I'm sure somebody will mention it in quotes later. He has this really like this monologue to himself. He's talking to God or whatever and mm-hmm. uh, about how he can't help everyone, but maybe he can help this one little boy and the really yeah. sweet moment for Eric and the show in general. And now Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. At some point, doesn't this kid come back? He almost adopts him. Yeah. So he's in, I think he's in a couple episodes and then Eric eventually is like, he, he finds out that another family is trying to adopt him, but the little boy doesn't want to go because he's got to move to like California or something. So Eric's like, I'm going, I'm going to adopt him. And this episode is just heart wrenching because Eric eventually realizes he can't give this kid what he needs. And he finds out that this new family is he's like, the little boy's going to have a sister and they're just perfect for him. And so Eric has to go and tell this kid he can't adopt them. And it's so sad because Eric just has to be like, I don't want to adopt. Like he has to be stern and forceful because the kid just won't get it. And he's like, I don't want to adopt you. He's like, I'm not going to adopt you. And he's like, bye, Tommy. And he like shuts the door and he's like just super emotional. But it's the only way that it would connect with the little boy. And then at the very end, the little boy shows up at his house and he's like, Eric, I know that I, I know that you still love me and all this stuff. And he's like, I'll I'll continue to I'll write you letters and call you and all. And it's just like, oh, man, it was so like just heart wrenching and sweet. And uh, yeah, so like you get these really sweet heartfelt moments from Eric that you don't expect when you see all the other areas his character goes uh, throughout this series. But yeah, when he wanted to, he could, he could hit it pretty well. Yep. Just so our listeners know, none of this is how adoption works. So at home, 
Corey is finding these little moments to get Sean and Angela to reconnect, including during the tree lighting, putting them together on the top stair where there's mistletoe hanging. And uh, Sean and Angela are like, oh, come on, this isn't really, that she really thinks this is going to work. But then the tree lights up, there's that little bit of Christmas magic in the dark and they kiss under the mistletoe. And after that happens, they run off to the student union to get some moment, a moment alone. And there they have a heart-to-heart where they really do confess they are still in love with each other. But Sean is not ready for a big commitment. He's afraid of that. And because of that, Angela declares her relationship forever dead. Move, move, Sean. Is it forever dead? Yeah, they don't get back together. It really does. They don't. Interesting. Is there such thing as a a storybook ending? No such thing as a Hollywood ending. Hollywood ending. (laughs) I love that soundtrack. I listen to that all the time. But uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be probably. I would be surprised if it's not on my top like Spotify list. Did they have the same tree? Did they have the aluminum tree here? Aluminium tree? No, green. No, and I this one was so. huge. Oh, yes, yes, it was. So it was like massively wide. Well, it looks like I we can say this one follows the last episode, so Topanga may have won out on that argument. The long Maybe yeah. when they had a real tree, they realized, wow, that rinky-ninky thing should have been put out by the curb. Let's do the right thing. And be Man, Tom, you are not a very tolerant <laughs> Christmas guy. <laughs> not when it comes to not when it comes to that kind of a Christmas tree for your family. Nope, not at all. Um, that makes me want to start my own tradition of a rinky-dink aluminum tree, just to spite Tom. <laughs> I'll send him a Christmas card every year. When we eventually do so well, when we eventually do our tis the podcast meetup in New York around Christmas, I'm gonna like be like Buddy the Elf and not take you to Rockefeller Center. I'll take you to another big tree, but it'll be a fake one in a department store that's all aluminum, oh and be like, "Here you go, Tom. This Our, is uh, it." Meanwhile, the family's gathering to open gifts. Again, this seems like Christmas Eve night, so it looks like something else Topanga won out on. And uh, they're opening gifts to find notes from Eric saying, I gave your... (laughs) Feeny opens one, I gave your breath pump. (laughs) Yeah. I love that one. Because the mom's pregnant. Yeah, this is in the the weird storyline where she's pregnant now. Yeah, that's weird. And then the oh, baby almost a, dies. Dies and what? Yeah. He's born and then, premature. The final episode of the well, show and... because she has a she is a uh, she has a geriatric pregnancy. Mm-hmm. She's a woman. She's a woman of advanced maternal age. I mean, they're hitting all the big topics: mafia. I mean, they hit everything in the show: geriatric drugs, cults, booze, booze sex, yeah. infidelity. Um, <laughs> Man, Fish so. so eric so before anyone can get too angry eric shows up with tommy to the house and says this is tommy um is it okay if he spends christmas with us because he and obviously that's not how this works they don't let a kid just go home with some random young 20 something year old guy this is called grooming it's a very sweet moment it is the family says sure of course he can stay and everyone forgets there upset about the IOUs. Um, and at Mr. Feeney, again, the tradition, he opens the Christmas Carol to begin reading it, he just does. as yep. Sean and Angela come in, and the episode ends on that note where, you know, Marley was dead to begin with, and as he says, dead to begin with, you get the shot of Angela and Sean, and Corey okay. and Topanga realize, you know, that's it for them. Ain't gonna happen. That's it. 
And that's the episode. And I, I love this episode. I thought the stuff with Eric was so sweet. Julia, you opened your present and it said there was a note in there from one of your kids who said, I gave away a bunch of our presents to underprivileged children. How gleeful would you be? Yeah, I'd be so proud of him. I, I am sorry. That would be if Ellie did that, decided to give kids like somebody else presents instead of me and take some of her presents and give them away, I would cry in a heartbeat. <laughs> give some five-year-old boy a drill. <laughs> <laughs> so put some poor little girl a breast pump. Hey, well, <laughs> would the, you rather the, have a breast pump or nothing, Anthony, to open? Well, there you go. <laughs> That was like, well, I, did, I, I, did, I did like how Eric was so excited about how excited that one kid got when he ran out of things to give them and he just gave them Santa's bag, bag and she was yeah, so excited. Yeah. Anyway, I loved the little kid. <laughs> I love this little kid who was hitting on Mrs. Claus. <laughs> oh my gosh, he pinches her on the rear end. Yeah. <laughs> Not cool, kid. Not cool. I mean, she was, I was very attracted to her back in the day. But you still understand consent. Okay. Well, I'll I'll jump in with a quote. I I do love the Eric quote, like his his come to God moment. But I, I had a hard time finding it. But there was a quote that I really liked, and it was Eric stressed up and he's talking with Jack, and Jack stressed up as an elf. And Eric goes, "Look how cute you are. Plus, you're going to be making like five bucks an hour." And Jack's like, "Wait a second, you get twelve bucks an hour?" And Eric goes, "I'm Santa. You're just an elf." Read your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I did like Eric's come to God moment. And I have that quote. And he said, he's sitting on that bench alone, unsure of like, you know, he's upset he can't help Tommy here. And he says, I want to make the happiness of the entire world my responsibility. What an idiot. What am I supposed to do? I made all those little kids smile, took care of everybody that came to see me. No disrespect, but why would you send me that little boy? Why doesn't that nice little boy have parents? Why doesn't that nice little boy have parents? Why did you send me that little kid? And why do I only come to you when I need something? I mean, you shouldn't have to take care of everything, right? I will take care of this. I can be responsible for the happiness of one little boy. I like that. I thought that was very sweet. It is. And it's it's sort of unexpected from Eric. Yeah, for the character of Eric. For every goofy moment he has that he's still just he's he's a guy with human emotions and he's upset that this kid doesn't have anything and and that he's going to do what he can to make things at least for the moment good for him and yeah it hit me i lo- i i really really like that moment yeah I do have one more quote. <laughs> when Corey's says, Sean, the dorms are closing. Your father's missing again. Why wouldn't you come to my house for Christmas? And Sean's like, because I hate being the third wheel. And Corey's like, please, you know, you've been the third wheel with me and Topanga so long. I think of us as a tricycle, you know, without our third wheel, what would we be? And Sean's like, a bicycle. bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly this had a Linus moment. It was all the Eric yep. stuff. What, did you get the Christmas feels? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. What would y'all rank it? Eight. Eight. I'm giving it a nine. I'm with you, Matt. I was giving it a nine, which gives us an 8.33. So that puts a very Topanga Christmas at number one. Santa's Little Helper at number two. Santa's Little Helpers at number three. And Easy Street at number four. And they all rate the... Th- Three of the four ranked pretty high, so 
Again, oh. if you've been living under a rock since the 90s and haven't <laughs> seen Boy Meets World, check them out. <laughs> check it out. It's a good show. If you've been living under a rock and didn't know about Girl Meets World, you're not missing much. Oh, exactly. stop it. I 100% agree. I, I think it's because I, I like grew up show. with Boy Meets World that Girl Meets World is so insufferable to me. Girl Meets World never got past the first season of Boy Meets World in terms of they never let them grow up or dealt with serious issues. That was my problem with it. Well, the writers, I don't, I feel like the writers were just going for all low hanging fruit, right? It's like, oh, let's get cheap laughs. Let's get easy laughs. Let's not, let's not try to do our jobs. And it probably didn't help that it was what Disney channel. It was right. And not NBC or not ABC. So it didn't particularly hit the same note or didn't have to hit the same notes as boy meets world needed to in order to be like a, a regular primetime sitcom show. So Disney owns Freeform, doesn't it? They should put out Freeform so they could have been a little more adult. Disney, I have so many problems that the corporation Disney's become. <laughs> Don't get me started on that freaking rant. And I'm the fool. I'm still the fool who gives them money. We anyway. Because Disney Plus is amazing. Yes, but I hate Disney as a company right now. Okay, so here we go. I have this week's question of the week. And I was recently watching When Harry Met Sally for the first time. I know, I know. It really shouldn't have taken me this long to watch it. But I love the short scene where it's Christmas time and they're going to buy a Christmas tree. The music is great. The scenery is fantastic. So it got me thinking of what are some of your favorite Christmas scenes in movies that aren't Christmas movies. And I know this blurs the line a little bit with some movies you've done in the past, uh, particularly Harry Potter movies, obviously, with a lot of awesome Christmas scenes. But I'm curious if you guys have any other favorites. I'll take this one first. Uh, Mean Girls had the good Christmas scene. Or at least a good, you know, where they're singing Jingle Bell Rock in the Santa outfits. Um, When Harry Met Sally would have been up there. I know we've covered this one as well, but... and. I disagreed with Julia on this one. Sorry, Julia. But um, while you were sleeping, I don't consider it a Christmas movie, but I had a really great Christmas scene. And Silver Linings Playbook ended with a really great Christmas mm. scene, too. I love that movie. So those are the ones that come to mind for me. Lady and the Tramp, too, speaking of Disney. It opens on Christmas and ends on Christmas. It does. So. The, uh, the live action, right? Well, the animated one, too, opens Christmas. She gets her, the lady is a Christmas gift. Uh, I just watched Clueless with Christine, which is hilarious. And there's a there's a Christmas scene in there that's good. Their terrible party they're at. Terrible, <laughs> terrible party is all Christmas themed for some reason in LA, and it's not Christmas. Which also led to there's a TV episode of I don't know if y'all know about this, a very PC Christmas based on uh, Clueless. What about you, Julia? Um, You've Got Mail has a lovely Christmas scene in it where she's in the little bookshop, which was nice. Also, um, I really like Toni Collette. She's one of my favorite actresses of all time. And she was in um, About a Boy with another one of my favorites, although he's inconsistent, Hugh Grant. Um, And they have a nice, I mean, it's a dysfunctional movie, so it's got that air to it. But um, I like I like Christmas scenes from British movies because they do stuff over there that we don't do here, like crackers and all of that. And so those are always extra magical to me, which is makes me think now of um, uh, Gavin and Stacey. Yes, Gavin and Stacey. 
<laughs> uh, Julia, Costco sells crackers now around Christmas. Oh. So I you can to- totally, inc- you could totally incorporate them into your tradition. I mean, we found some at TJ Maxx one year and they were super fun. And we had like a ton of fun wearing the crowns and stuff, but. Mine was when Harry met Sally. Like there's just the scene, they go and buy the Christmas tree. And I was just, it was one of those movies that I'd, I don't know how it passed me by. It's one you'd always heard of, but I just never saw it. So when I was just like flipping through trying to find something to watch and I was like, yeah, I'll watch this. And that scene, I was just like, oh my, it was just so beautiful. It was like snowy and they're just at the tree lot and just the music was perfect. I think it was Ray Charles singing some some Christmas song. It was just like, I was like, wow, that just like punched me with like Christmas feels right in a movie. I was not expecting it. I just, uh, that was the only one that really came to the top of mind. I can't Godfather. Think of... You Ooh, mentioned yeah, that too. Godfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so, no, you didn't mention that. Then White Duke mentioned that. Yep, but yeah, Godfather. Think- one more at the uh, end of Jumanji. Robin Williams is dressed as Santa for Christmas. Remember? Yes, I remember yeah. Robin Williams Santa, and mm-hmm. that was pretty awesome. And also, the oh, whole I loved Christmas that. Yes, or, or in Hook, Hook. That's around Christmas. Oh, well, Eve, that is too. Christmas. Yes, yeah. that is yeah. good Christmas. Well, that's done. real good Christmas. Well done. So, where can listeners let us know the answer? Well, they can go to any social medias with just one quick link by going to tisthepodcast.com backslash Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook group, Reddit, um, pick your poison. You can come and answer this really great question um, and give us more ideas of, I mean, if it's Christmas enough, I'm going to put it on our list, right? And we can debate over the course of an hour. Is this a Christmas movie or not? Even if we already know it's not a Christmas movie, because then we get to watch some good movies. Adam's um, family. That's all I'm saying. It opens on Christmas. So come talk to us about anything. It doesn't have to be the question of the week. Um, and talk to all of our even cooler listeners than we are. Um, that's where we met Mr. Gary Blobin. Um, So I am always a fan of striking up conversation in any of those places. Where else can they go, Tom? Where can they find an upcoming Easter episode soon, which we need to schedule? I don't know. Is that going to happen? Is there going to be one? I'm just getting Patreon. Uh, you can go to podcast.com slash Patreon and see all sorts of great content, like the almost episode of Leprechaun that, uh, for St. Patrick's Day that will be post-St. Patrick's Day now because of uh, Tom double-booking things that he not knowing the Grammys were a thing and his wife expecting him to watch the Grammys with her. So. There is a new Patreon episode up, though, for y'all listeners. Me and Kendall just recorded one on an ITV show. You're the worst, so check it out. There you go. I have to say, Anthony really is mailing out enamel pens, y'all. I got some. The ones of all of us look real creepy. Our skin color is way off. <laughs> no one looks creepier than Julia. I'm sorry, Julia. You yeah. you turned out the creepiest on that pen. Yeah, I look straight up creepy. <laughs> and if you want to help the show in a free way, you can always do that by going to iTunes or Facebook or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Every new review lets new listeners find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. And if you haven't been tuning into our Thursday installments of another Christmas story lately, uh, Todd Killian of Christmas Clatter read this past week's episode. Craig of Weird Christmas is reading this upcoming week's episode. Matt is, has, a, has one coming up very soon. So lots of awesome readers who I can't believe I got to read it. So thank y'all. You're welcome. And Matt, why don't, before we talk about next week, why don't you plug your show one last time and tell listeners where they can find you? 
Sure, sure. So it's the TGI podcast focusing primarily on your favorite TGIF shows. So obviously Boy Meets World, Family Matters, Home and or well, Home Improvement wasn't a TGIF show. So I kind of veer outside of that a little bit. But the way I approach the podcast is I go by month. So this month we did, I did a St. Patrick's Day episode, did Valentine's Day in February, did Super Bowl in January with a How I Met Your Mother episode, which has nothing to do with TGIF, but it's my podcast. I'll do what I want. And so <laughs> you, you and Jerry play fast and loose with the rules of your podcast. Exactly. Exactly. It's still in that, it's still in that same, uh, I, I'm just, we do too. Look at some yeah. of the movies we put on our list. It's... No, I'm saying like all of your stuff, you're, you're, you're not giving yourself credit. All of your stuff has that TGIF feel, right? It's yeah, it's the, the sitcom relatable type humor, all those things. So the way moving forward, it's because this time of year, it's obviously more the slower time of year, not as many holidays, but going to ramp things up. There's going to be, we're, I'm going to have Christmas in July. I'm going to do back to school. Anthony and Anthony and I have talked about doing a boy meets world episode of then there was Sean, which is a, oh, yes. it's, it's not technically a Halloween episode, but it firmly, it will, been. yeah, it'll firmly be in uh, next October for Halloween. November will be Thanksgiving. And then of course, December will be Christmas. So look us up obviously on all the, the streaming platforms, wherever you get your, your podcast, you can find us on Facebook at TGI podcast on Instagram at TGI podcast, or you can just find me on Twitter at Matt Yurick. Hit me up with some uh, suggestions if you want or leave reviews. I got stickers, all that fun stuff. So uh, yeah, come give, come give me a listen, please. So if you haven't yet, check out Matt's show. It's awesome. It's so much it fun. Good. And if you want to come back for another <laughs> installment of the podcast, next week we're returning to the Taylor family and doing the next three episodes of Home Improvement. And the week after that, we're traveling back to the 80s and covering the two Christmas episodes of Elf, that lovable alien. So lots so, of exciting stuff coming those, up. Those those Elf episodes are something. They are something. Well, one, <laughs> one in particular. The dark one. Yes. (laughs) Even more exciting, though. We only have 6,696 hours until Christmas. Hey, that's only 279 days. That's only 39 weeks, y'all. That's just nine months. We're in the 30s already. It's awesome. Happy enunciation, everybody. Have a glorious enunciation. We'll see you all next week. Bye, y'all. Mark, what's the noise out by the porch door? Granny, tis mummers, there's twenty or more. Her old withered face brightens up with a grin. Any mummers, nice mummers, loud in. Come in, lovely mummers, don't bother the snow. We can wipe up the water, sure, after you go. Sit if you can, or on some mummers' knee. Let's see if we know who you be. There's big ones and small ones and tall ones and thin Boys dressed as women and girls dressed as men Humps on their backs and mitts on their feet My blessed we'll die with the heat Can't wait till you guys see what I'm gonna be like I can't wait to see that I'm very excited See what your kid's first bad word will be It's gonna be the F word At what age?
I have like, already put um, Child Protective Services in New York. They're my favorite from my phone, just in anticipation of Anthony. My brother. <laughs> and they show up, and the kid's like, I'll show you a face. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Anthony's three year old. Go. <laughs> Both are accurate. <laughs> Okay, this is worse than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, Anthony orders a task rabbit to come kneecap me because uh, I think that's how I think that's how the 21st century mafia works, right? They just hire task rabbits; they don't even have their own teams. I can't reveal too much, otherwise, I'd have to hire one to go after you. Don't swing Granny hard, cause you know that she's old. No need for to care how you buckles the floor Cause mummers have danced here before My God, how hot is it? We'd better go I allow we'll all get the devil's own cold Good night and good Christmas, mummers, me dears Please God, we will see you next year Good night and good Christmas, mummers, me dears Please God, we will see you next year